Welcome to Apaga University. I'm Inga. And I'm Julie. We are two mom entrepreneurs who have built an in-home care business from the ground up, guided every step of the way by God's care and fueled by agape love. 16 years later and over 100 podcast episodes already under our belts, we invite you to continue on this journey with us as we share stories that resonate, insights that inspire, and practical guidance that empowers you to face any obstacle along this path. Whether you're a professional caregiver, a family member, or are simply curious about what your steps will be when you need them, you have come to the right place. Oh, hey, and while you're here, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And after that, make sure you send this to a friend. Yes, do it. All right, we'll quit fooling around and get to it. Let's go. Class is in session. Hello, sunshines, and hello, Julie. Oh, hello, Inga. How do it be today? How it be swell. <laughs> swell. Swell. I'm a bit of a situation. Uh-oh. Clearly, we've been a little out of the swing of things, and so I um, forgot to brush my hair. <laughs> anyway. Such is life. So here we are. We're going to roll into it because I cannot wait to share my good news story. It's actually a TikTok video, but it's it's so fun and it's just so much about perspective and how if you're grateful for whatever you have, life is pretty great. Nice. Okay. So verse of the week. Yes. This is Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14. It says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved for you are my praise. The topic today is actually about visiting a loved one in the intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. And so I was just thinking about Mm -hmm. having somebody that was ill Mm -hmm. and praying for them. Mm -hmm. So that's where that came from. And we have had just personally a few situations in the last couple of weeks with uh, people young and older who have had some pretty catastrophic situations, but thankfully everyone is on the mend. Yeah. And um, thank goodness for good medicine. Yeah. There you go. Yep. I know. Okay. Tell your story because then I have to share mine. Okay. You don't want to go first? Nope. You go. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Okay. I'll tell you mine. <laughs> so uh, what? this is a very cool story about an unmistakable move of the Holy Spirit. He hits a high school football field as thousands of students gather to worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps those of us who sometimes complain about kids these days could use a story that teaches humility and appreciation. Mm. So basically, according to the Christian Post, thousands of young people gathered um, on a high school field football field in Hot Springs, Arkansas for an evening of music and testimonies of Christian faith. And so uh, just there was more than 3,000 kids there. Most wow. of them were were teenagers. The only thing more encouraging than the astonishing attendance f- figure is that the fact is that Hot Springs event was part of a much larger movement called Fields of Faith, which has made a global impact. Mm. According to the website, Fields of Faith organizes events where students challenge their peers to read the Bible and follow Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, moreover, the website listed more than 250 similar gathering schedules on October 11th, so it's been a while, mm-hmm. um, including Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires, yeah, uh, Argentina, and in the Virgin Islands, mm. God is on the move, and we are honored to be a small part of what He is doing. To God be all the glory. And so, basically, um, the whole s- summary of this it will be on the show notes is that um, sometimes uh, when there's crises going on, you know, even teenagers can make a huge impact, mm-hmm. and you know. Um, 
even though there are times that we're just so frustrated with looking at kids and wondering what in the world is going on, there is good in the world and we have to find it. Mm -hmm. And this is just an excellent example of such a thing. Yes, that is amazing. Yes. I love it. Yes. Love it so much. Okay, I'm literally on the edge of my seat. Edge. I don't know if I'm using the word literally right, but anyway, I'm on the edge of my seat because literally, I'm, like I said, I am so excited about this uh, this little TikTok video, and it's a young man, and again, it's all about perspective and you know, if we don't have expectations and we're just happy for what we get, mm -hmm. it's just amazing what mm -hmm. can happen. So mm -hmm. let me see if I can uh, get it playing right. To I am for nativity. I'm a classic one. Classic role, is it? Classic part? Yeah. Um, Joseph? No. Uh, uh, one of the three wise men? No. One of the innkeepers? No. Um, Call rejected. But it's a classic part? Yeah. Okay, um, you tell me then, because... I'm door holder number three, I'll be holding doors. That's amazing! Holding doors for who? Um, probably, um, Joseph and Mary. Oh my gosh, were you pleased when they said that? Yeah, what and... Did you, what did you do? And I was like... I'm a door holder. Get in there. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> oh. and, and and maybe because there's no room, I'll probably be just low, be like just coming in, and then I'll just slam them in, slam the door in their face. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your style now? Maybe I'll probably be dressed up as a door. I don't think you're going to be a door. I think you're going to be a door holder. No, I'll have to wear like brown. Really? Yeah, probably. Excellent. That's, well, that's really smart, Milo. Oh, my word. He is adorable. Isn't that so cute? That is so cute. And like, no expectations and just thrilled. That he has Thrilled for the classic part. For anything. The I classic. love that. That's what I'm going to start saying with anything that I, I have a classic part. Yeah. No, you're going to say that I am water pour number 27. A classic part for you. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. We can do that. Anyway, see, it was worthy of being on the edge of my seat, wasn't that it? That is adorable. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's cute, and that is so fun that somebody is so thrilled to have a classic part. Yes. Love, Love it. it. All right. Well, we are going to be talking about... Um, what to do when you have a loved one in the intensive care unit, yeah. right? Yeah, this is one of those sticky wickets. <laughs> you don't ever really think about it until you're thrust into a situation. Right. So on top of the hospital rules and all of the things, mm -hmm. you, uh, the, you've got the emotions, you've got all of that going on. Mm -hmm. And it is truly a, a, a tough time. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting just logistically, mm -hmm. um, based on a current or a recent situation, how, um, hospitals, like they have visiting hours now and they have a limited number of people that can be mm -hmm. in the room and all of these things. And I'm like, you know, there, there are, there's a lot that goes along with it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So let us begin. Yes. Should we talk, talk about the types of intensive care units? Yes. That is really actually it's shocking to me. I never thought about it as types of mm -hmm. intensive care, but neonatal, and that's for the very young or pre premature babies. Yep. And they normally refer to that as NICU. Right. Right. Yep. The pediatric is for children who require uh, intensive care. Uh, pick you. Pick you. Mm -hmm. Neurological ICU is for uh, neurologically unstable patients. Mm -hmm. 
cardiac care unit is care for clients or patients with serious or unstable heart problems. Surgical are those recovering from surgery. So they are very, very specialized and very specific. So basically reasons why someone might need to be admitted to the ICU, this would be medically unstable. These mm -hmm. are patients who are like, they are medically unstable. They require close monitoring, frequent adjustments of therapies, medical things that are, um, those would be admitted to ICU. And a lot of it is just basically being in that situation where they're getting more frequent care and then there's also um, availability of a faster response mm -hmm. if something goes south. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they need support for breathing. Some patients have to be admitted to the ICU because they cannot breathe on their own and require respiratory support through a machine such as a ventilator. Mm -hmm. uh, many hospital wards cannot support the care of a patient who's on a ventilator. Um, so um, intubation is the placing of a breathing apparatus for respiratory support. Removal of the respiratory support, which is extubation, takes place when the patient is able to breathe independently. Mm -hmm. um, lower levels of consciousness. So things like unconscious, unresponsive, comas, they might require the care of the ICU and that's um, particularly in situations where they are expected to improve. So people who are unconscious may have endured severe brain injury or ex other extensive medical problems requiring close care um, to optimize the chances of that recovery. Right. Or they need <laughs> monitoring during a specific type of therapy, mm -hmm. um, which is like the heart pump. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of reasons to go intensive care. Yes. And the types of extra things that you get in this intensive care setting, it allows, um, the ICU allows healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, assistants, therapists, specialists to provide the level of care that they might not be able to provide in a, a different type of a setting. Mm -hmm. So close and frequent monitoring of vital signs. Um, while a patient is in the ICU, they are going to be monitored more frequently than at a, like a regular hospital unit. Um, vital signs such as heart rate, blood pressure, respiratory rate, um, and then things like the parameters, oxygen and, and carbon dioxide levels, they might be monitored continuously with electronic devices and um, additional continuous monitoring can be things like nurses manually checking vital signs more frequently if the intensive care unit um, would rather that. Yeah. Uh, they have a central location display for vital sign values. Um, boy, they've got all the bells and whistles mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about, honestly, just recently, my stepmom had a, a medical event and, you know, being in the room there afterwards, how everything was set up and how they're checking in and uh, the machines and all of this stuff. And it was, it was really, really good care yeah. and really fast yeah. responsive care. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is very scary as somebody that doesn't know all of the numbers and all of the acronyms and all of the, the mm -hmm. little heart rate things yeah. and pulses. And you're like, what's normal rate? What's this? What's that? <laughs> and a lot of us, we get dumped into that and we learn things really fast that we right. never wanted to really know. Um, but they do have all of that there and all of the beeping and all of the things is very scary. So funny story, funny, not funny. Um, when my stepmom was there with a friend, so she had basically she was on a monitor and if she bent her arm incorrectly, yeah. it would, it would turn on the alarm. So before, and my dad, you have to understand is a registered nurse. So he gets that when these monitors go off, it's not, we don't get to make adjustments to them. We wait for the medical <laughs> professionals. Well, we come to find out that when, when it was going off and she knew it was because her arm was bent, she would just have her friend push the button on it to make it stop beeping. Oh. <laughs> Like, oopsie poopsie. Oh, and he's probably yeah. like, don't touch that. Yeah, because we, we got there and it happened and she's like, oh, just go put that. And he's like, we can't touch that machine. <laughs> like, 
no, no, no. Isn't it funny? Anyway. Everybody's different attitudes on stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. They're like, we know what we know what's well, making it beep. But <laughs> as a as a nurse, he was probably like, don't touch my stuff. Yeah, don't. They don't, don't like it when you touch yeah. their stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was. It's, oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so close adjustment to fluids, electrolytes, medications. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they can still do some types of procedures in the ICU if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, Semi open rooms. That doesn't sound great to me. No, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah. Well, just like every room in the hospital, every everyone's got a different situation. But a lot of them where there's somebody's really, really sick, they will have the just be the one person. Yep. And I think I'm sure it's just for accessibility. You know what I'm saying? No obstacles in the way. We gotta keep this open so we can get there quicker. Yeah. Um, and then of course fewer patients per nurse. Mm -hmm. And then those ICU nurses have special training, right? And more experience. Yep. And then specialized ICU doctors Mm -hmm. and they are phenomenal and they just, they know exactly what part of the body process they're focused on. Mm -hmm. Um, It does become a problem when you have um, somebody that's got multiple things going on. So you have to have multiple doctors because not one doctor is just able to take care of every, every system that is maybe going skiwampus at the same time. Mm -hmm. So lots of traffic in and out, but a very kind excellent bedside manner Mm -hmm. trying to bring it down to layman terms so that your people can understand what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um as i discussed earlier more restrictions for visitors yeah so that's not great but then again it is because some of the reasons for that they want to prevent the spread of infection yeah they want to maintain quiet for other patients um and then basically allowing your patient to rest and recover but just know that they will wake you up while sleeping to make sure that you're sleeping. Yes. That is one complaint I hear consistently. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. 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 Another thing, though, um, that the general public doesn't know is usually when you hear somebody's in the hospital, you're like, oh, I need to send flowers mm-hmm. or I need to send balloons. You can't do that stuff in the intensive care. Right. They will not be able to accept that kind of a, mm-hmm. a gift. Mm-hmm. So, so just be aware of that. Yep. And um, so anyway, that is some things just to expect. Lots of sounds and (laughs) um, people coming in and out. They do restrict. um, When we were going through uh, a family situation this this year with um, our situation, Mm -hmm. basically you're only supposed to have two people in there at the time. However, because our um, situation had turned to a, a very sad situation. Mm-hmm. They were so gracious to us. They were so kind. And at one point we probably had 15 people in there I know. and it was a blessing yes. for everybody that was there. And it, it was rough, 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 but man, they tolerated us and they let us do our thing. And, and they were so kind. Yes. Uh, so that was good. And I, I would say that, um, that, I think that they have the ability to kind of read the room and read the situation. And yes, these things are put in place and they're trying to maintain, you know, some, some pretty strict standards on what goes on. But I think that always the human factor does come into it. And in those situations where, you know, it's dire, they're, they're going to allow. Yeah. And you would hope that they would allow. Right, right, right. So um, some of the things to expect continued, like we've been talking, uh, communication, it's the best tool that you have when your loved one is in the ICU. You're going to be overwhelmed with information from many different people, like we were talking. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of the tips that there is, is write everything down. Mm -hmm. During this stressful time, it's difficult for you to process all the information you're given. If you write everything down, you can read it later and absorb it while 
while you're reading. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. You think you're going to remember you're not. Oh, I know. Yes. Yeah. And then have someone with you. Yeah. If you have that second set of ears to help listen to what you're being told, you can discuss it afterwards. Make sure that, you know, everyone heard the same things, that the interpretation is the same. Right. Yeah. Right. And once again, stop that doctor or nurse if they're right. telling you words that are this long right. and say, I, I, I simply don't understand. Sure. And to add on to that, just my personal note, when you do have that second person with you, make sure that it's an, a person that's appropriate for the role. Like if you have somebody that is not going to be good in these crisis situations, true. maybe they're not the best one to have as your second set they of ears. Right? Add so to, bring yeah. someone that's pretty level, logical, and is going to bring value to the situation. Right. Good point. Mm -hmm. Nurses are excellent resources and it can assist you in many ways. Um, If it is all possible, make sure that the nurse is present when having discussions with the doctor, Mm -hmm. that then after the doctor leaves, the the nurse can then explain the medical terminology Mm -hmm. or translate what was discussed. And they'll just reiterate everything to Mm -hmm. you and also remind you. Yes. Uh, keep an open line of communication with the nurse. So nurses are patient advocates and they they want to help make sure that the patient w- wishes are carried out, right? So communicate openly and honestly um, with your loved one's nurse. And one thing that I would say, be kind to the nurses. Mm-hmm. Be kind. Mm-hmm. It's tough and nobody that's in that ICU situation is in the best time of their life. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotion that runs high and yeah. I really do <laughs> think that... Um, the nicer you can be in those situations, the more communicative the nurse will be with you and Absolutely. more willing to help. I mean, they're always going to do their job, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can be kind, um, I feel like they go above and beyond. Yep. You are not wrong. Uh, the internet is not always the best resource. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, looking up information on the internet may be helpful for you to better understand certain things. The internet can be overwhelming because it has so much extra information in it. This extra information can leave you confused and stressed. Often the worst case scenarios are included in your search. Mm. It's bad. It's a thing. WebMD is a, it's a sticky, it's a, no, slippery slope or something. I don't know. (laughs) It's true because they can, they'll give you all of the side effects. Yeah. And if you're really, really thinking about it, all of a sudden you have all of those. Yes. How miserable are you making yourself? Yeah. It's, it's a little rough right yeah. there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against like trying to know and advocate for yourself, but also if you're the type of person that is, that you know, you're only going to make yourself crazy. Yep. Be careful. Be very, very cautious. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, know your loved one's wishes. That's a big deal. Knowing your loved one's wishes uh, about quality of life and resuscitation is important all the time, but this information is vital when they are in the intensive care unit. Most likely they're not stable and they are um, not able to answer for themselves. And um, heroic measures include putting a breathing tube in the mouth, performing chest compressions, and giving the patient an electric shock when necessary. Did the person want that? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, some don't, mm-hmm. some do not want that. Um, so you've got to also assess if there's any hope of survival. Mm-hmm. Literally, if they do the procedure of whatever it is, is it going to make their life any better? Mm-hmm. And that is a very unique a decision you have to make with everybody because everybody's got a different opinion. And as hard as the conversations are, and I am the worst because I don't want to have them, Mm -hmm. you really do need to know what your loved ones want in this type of a situation. And, and if they end up in the ICU and it's, it's, you know, they can be kept alive, but there's not really any hope that there will be any quality of life, then, then what, what do you, what did they want? Yeah. 
Yep. The other thing that they're talking about is like a tracheostomy feeding mm-hmm. tube. Um, is it permanent? Uh, you know, the, the, just the, um, when they put a pacemaker in mm-hmm. those kinds of things, uh, how much life does this person have? Mm-hmm. Um, and what those life saving measures do is they save a life, mm-hmm. but then like you're saying, basically, then it what? will prolong right. whatever it is. So right. decisions on how long do you really want to live like this mm-hmm. with the aid of that. I mean, th- there was a terrible story of a woman that was, pa- she, she was ready to go. She was passing. Her pacemaker would not let her. Mm. And so she was in absolute turmoil because what had helped her at one point, at this point, was too much. Mm. And so how terrible would that be? That would be unfortunate. Yeah, there's definitely. really amazing books out there. We mm-hmm. actually have one here in the in the um, office that talks about life-sustaining measures. <clears throat> How good are they for what situation? Yeah. And it comes from a biblical standpoint, yep. so it's really helpful. Yeah, and we actually did a podcast on it way back when. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. So um, because there's, there's your biblical belief, you, there's mm-hmm. all of the different circumstances. Is this person going to be able to survive it or not? It's, right, yeah. Boy, it's a, it's a tough one. Something to also expect is those family meetings, multidisciplinary when you've got yep. a lot of things going on with family yep. and um, how are those things going to be handled? Who's, who's updating who, how, that type of thing. Yes. And you can pray that your family is all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, through the last couple of things that my family's had been hit with, thankfully we've had a beautiful coming together mm-hmm. and being able to make really hard decisions where everybody was on the same page yeah, and there was no hard feelings. There was nothing because we all knew it was for what the person would want. Yeah. And so that <laughs> we were blessed beyond measure, but we've seen the other side of that mm-hmm. where there's one person that wants everything done and they're the only one that feels that way and, and feels very ostracized and you know, all of that. It's mm. just very hard. You guys have been amazing. You're like a very good um, textbook example of how it should work. Well, you hope. But. Yeah. 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 Not, but not everybody's that lucky. I, right. But I, every time I see my mom, I thank her for that. Oh yeah. You know. Good job, Cheryl. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, pain mm. and comfort. Yep. Got to be thinking about that because yep. it's, you know, you're going to, this person who's in the ICU, they're lying in bed for 90 to 100% of the day, just depending. It can, it can be very, very uncomfortable. And then when you add in everything that goes along with it, or can, tubes, drains, procedures, exams, injuries that led to the ICU, mm. um, this is just going to just like compound this discomfort and yeah. pain. And I think that a lot of times um, it's getting that pain management under control is really, really huge. My grandma Fisher has always been good about this when she's had different things go on or surgeries Mm -hmm. or you have to stay on it because just because you feel good now when it wears off, then you're going to hurt. And then it takes how much longer to get back on it. Back on it. So yeah, in the ICU setting, they should have you on that pain management schedule, whether it's, you know, I mean, I know they do a lot of different like through IVs and then through oral medications and just be be prepared for that. Yeah. Or aware that yeah, it can- Yeah, but stay on top of it. Get a baseline of it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're better is mm-hmm. when you start tapering off. Yep. Um, yeah. Sleep. Uh, the importance of sleep while your loved one is in the ICU cannot be stressed enough. Um, unless they're very unstable, you should make a point to sleep every night if you can in your own bed. But 
that's not always possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like our friend that just had a situation with their younger son. Mm-hmm. Um, she insisted that she was sleeping at the hospital with mm-hmm. him. And who who would blame her? Who's going to tell a mama that she can't <laughs> yeah, do that? Right? Not me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, it is very, very beyond the emotions and mm-hmm. all of that. Then you get sleep deprived. You, you've got to take care of yourself. Yeah. You always want to make sure that person's drinking. Mm-hmm. They're keeping hydrated. They're still eating. You know, not just the the patient in bed, but right. the person that's mostly trying to keep the glue right. together, the family together, yes. letting people know the phone calls are exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and everybody's got the best intentions to check in. Yep. And um, but that's also overwhelming. It's always nice when even a certain family friend will take over and say, "I'm going to communicate yep. everything. Leave her alone. Yes, leave him alone." Yeah. Know? Well, we had that in your oldest child. Yeah. She did a very good job in a bad situation. Yeah. But one thing to remember mm-hmm. um, is your person is in the best place they can be. Right. Right. If they're in ICU, they are getting the top level of care yep. that they can get. They are monitored more than any other um, that I'm aware of oh, unit in the hospital. Absolutely. So being able to take care of yourself a little bit. Yeah. So that you can then take better care of them is the best thing you can do for absolutely, everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a sticky wicket. It's yeah. it's very uncomfortable for everyone. But um, like you said, that's where they need to be. Yeah. So let's just let the system do its thing, yep. and and just uh, do a lot of praying and um, <laughs> yes. and and be there supportive to each other. Yeah. 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 Well, good. That's very. Uh, what am I trying Condensed, to say? Just, uh, just uh, elementary level right ICU, to the point. but good, good information. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Cool. So What's your grandma? Grandma, grandpa saying, who knows, <laughs> um, won't hit a lick at a snake. Won't hit a lick at a snake. Yeah. Uh, so a truly Southern saying among old farmers says it, that, that basically it means someone that is so lazy they wouldn't try to hit a snake away with a stick. Oh, well, I'm not going to be that. Who won't hit a lick at a snake. Won't hit a lick at a That's snake. That's really dang lazy. Yikes. Yeah. I will hit a lick at a snake. I will not be that lazy ever. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't know that I would actually hit the snake. I would just be running the opposite direction. I know. I, I am not a hero. No snakes, <laughs> no bees, no, I, no, no alligators. No. <laughs> All right. Peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> The caregiven name is a registered trademark of the Veritrust Health Incorporated Company. Epaga is not connected to, affiliated with, or endorsed by Veritrust or any of its affiliates.